Good morning. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored this month by Dr. Rifkes, Dr. Rifkestein, Stepping Stones Pediatrics at 1407 46th Street in Brooklyn, New York. That's right off 47th, right off 14th Avenue, actually. How are you all doing this morning? Good morning. It's Erev Shabbos. Another great, great show I've got for you all today. Um, I've got in the studio Paul Sapienza, who's a baker extraordinaire from Elmont, Long Island. We'll come back to that in a minute. And my next guest will be later on in the show, Dr. Rifka Steen, who's going to talk to us about giving your kids the right snacks to keep them healthy. I know that sounds unusual, a little different, but where is Naomi Nachman going with this? As you all know, I'm about all the food, all the time. I think that's going to be my new catchphrase, all the food, all the time, because I love, love food. I love to shop for it. I love to cook it. I love to eat at restaurants. Anything related to food is my business. Um, I'm a personal chef. Sometimes people know me as the Aussie gourmet because, you know, the accent, the love of food. I kind of like put it all together. Um <clears throat> I give lots of cooking classes. I do catering for Shabbat, for Yom Tov, for small parties. And anything you don't, anytime you don't feel like cooking, I am your gal. So I hope you'll tune in every week and you'll hear all about my cooking adventures and my kosher food traveling and sharing of great food ideas and recipes. So I look forward to sharing that with you. Um, another way that you can reach out to me, because I'd like to hear what you all have to say, you can reach me on my Facebook page. Uh, Naomi Nachman, um, the Aussie Gourmet, or you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram. I joined Instagram this week. I posted pictures of my Shabbat challah, got lots of uh, feedback from that. So that was really great. This week, I think I'm going to try making garlic challah. So you can look out for that on Instagram as well. Um, and also, if people want to hear, a lot of people say to me, I'm not sure how to tune into your show. I've had a lot of questions about that. You can go to nachomsegel.com. If you have an iPhone or a Droid, I believe an iPad too, there's actually a Nachum Siegel app. We are everywhere that you want to be. So you can just download the app, JM in the AM, I believe, and uh, you'll you'll uh, be able to listen anytime live from your iPhone. You just kind of like click the app and whoever's on that show, like my show's at Friday, 9 AM, which you know because you're listening right now, you could go and hear me if you're not tuned in to NachumSiegel.com on a computer on the stream, you can just go to that app and just hit the app and it goes straight to, say, Me Now or Nachum in the Mornings or all the different fabulous shows that we have on the stream. And then, of course, you can go to the archives as well any time of day, any place around the world. Thank you to for all you listening in Australia. I get lots of nice feedback from my Aussie friends and family. So I'm very excited to have in the studio Paul Sapienza. This is my experience on how I found um, this bakery, and we're going to go into the whole history. I have very good friends, Ari and Alison Gross, in West Hempstead. Thank you, Miriam. Hi, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> Miriam is just walked into the studio. Miriam Wallach, station manager extraordinaire. Miriam is not eating anything. Did you all hear that? Did that get picked up? Miriam is not eating anything. Really, she's just lying. Because I have with me, as I said, Paul Sapienza from Sapienza Bakery in Elmont, Queens. And I, going back, I was saying I went to these friends in West Hempstead and, and they know, you know, they're very close friends and they know I'm a foodie extraordinaire. And they said, Naomi, we got for you a special treat. I'm like, okay, what? I didn't know what I was going to get, a roast or, you know, because I'll eat anything. 
except rice. Right, Miriam? She knows that I do not eat rice. Um, so she said, I went to a bakery not far from West Hempstead, and they, it's Italian, and it's dairy, and it's all kosher. I'm like, what are you saying? What does this mean? So she goes, she gave us these a huge box. We were there for Shabbat over the weekend, and she opened up this huge box filled with all these cannolis and napoleons and cookies and all kinds of like all Italian pastries. I don't even know some of the names, but Paul will tell us in a couple of minutes. I bit into each one in heaven because I love dairy. I love real food. Like to me, parv, uh, you know, besides margarine not being so healthy, it just doesn't have the right taste. In Australia growing up, there was this, um, a TV commercial called uh, for the butter industry called Butter is Better, and a guy called Peter Russell Clark, I don't know if he's even still alive, he was an Australian TV personality, and he would always go on how eating dairy is so good for you and butter is better, and he is so right. When I took a lot of cooking classes and when I was trying to become, you know, I do air quotes, a chef, um, I took a lot of classes in the JCC of Manhattan. They had a lot of cooking, uh, kosher cooking school. And I took a lot of classes there. And um, some of the chefs like, what's up with the margarine? They weren't Jewish chefs, but they knew how to cook kosher. And they're like, what's with Jews and margarine? Because if you can have it with butter, you should make it with butter. But, you know, on Shabbat, we can't always have marg- uh, butter. So we have to switch to margarine or oil. So, you know, we, we do what we have to do. And as Paul will even say, there's a place for everything. Shabbat afternoon. We gotta have a little par, but any other time, we gotta do butter, cause butter is better. So I'd like to introduce everyone and wel- welcome Paul Persley. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. You're a joy, Naomi. It's oh, a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I am like your biggest <laughs> fan. I go out of my way from the five towns to Elmont, Long Island. I actually thought it was Queens, but you corrected me. We're right that. next to Queens. Yep. Okay, so, and only like a mile and a half from West Hempstead, you lucky people. If I lived in West Hempstead, I would be as fat as a house (laughs) because I would not be able to hold myself back. Okay, so let's talk about the history of the bakery and then the history of when you became kosher and just all your delicious goods we have in the studio. So the bakeries, Paul was so kind to bring us all some samples. So, you know, Miriam dodged in and out. David's going to grab some. I'm going to grab some. We may eat with our mouthful. No, no eating with a mouthful. Swallow before we talk into the mic, but... Hi. Hello. Okay, so talk, talk to me about the history. When did your family start this bakery? Well, my family, my mom and dad came from Italy. They were born in Sicily. Uh, they came here around 1921, uh, actually from the same hometown, but they kind of didn't know each other too much. Oh, so cute. But they met and they got married in uh, Corona, Queens mm-hmm. in 1935. Uh, they opened up, uh, they actually bought a grocery store that was in operation, a small little tiny place. And back then in the grocery store, everything took place there. Uh, there were no supermarkets yet. King Cullen was maybe just starting around the same time. And the guy that my dad bought the grocery store from taught him how to bake the bread. Uh, he really didn't come with that knowledge from Italy. Um, and he used to bake his few loaves of bread and sell them in the grocery store. And he got the idea that maybe all the other little grocery store owners were tired of making bread and maybe they would buy his bread. So he made extra loaves and he started going around delivering door to door to them, uh, delivering to houses and also delivering to King Cullen, which was starting at the same time in Uh the same area. I believe King Cullen was one of the first supermarkets in New York. It's true, yes. They say in the country, but I've heard different remarks from Piggly Wiggly. Right, little Aussie girl knows her stuff, right? (laughs) Very good. 
Um, so as time went on, uh, they kind of abandoned the grocery store. They sold it. They moved to Elmont, uh, 1948. Uh, they opened up a factory on Meacham Avenue in Elmont, which is still in existence, still operating today. And all they did was bread and rolls. No more retail store, just wholesale. Um, they were selling to other supermarket chains, to groceries, to delis and things like that. They had route drivers that would go out and deliver it. Um, in the late 60s, my dad got concerned that the supermarkets started building bakeries in their in right, their stores. Right. So in the in-store bakery, he was afraid people would go for the hot bread and not buy the cold bread on the grocery shelf. Mm. He started preforming the bread frozen for them to bake off. Oh, and nice. He knew a guy in Queens again. Like Kinnear like at Hallis, right? Yes, exactly. And uh, he knew a guy in Queens that was making Italian pastries, so he started bringing cannolis and other Italian pastries along with the bread to the Pathmarks and Choprites, and it became a hit. And we actually started that business back in '67. Uh, My dad opened up. Uh, the bakery that's in my location right now. At the time, it was a closed-down Peter Pan bakery. People have been around for a while. There was a small chain of seven Peter Pan bakeries in Queens and Nassau, and uh, it was shut down at the time. My dad reopened it as an Italian pastry shop called Vesuvio's. Okay. And he had a partner that was making the pastries. He was making the bread, and everything was fine. 1970, I graduated high school. I was going to go to college. I did. I went to college. I was going to become an accountant. And my dad said, well, that's it for uh, the bakery business. Uh, he sold the, my my place. He actually sold it. Uh, I, I went to college. I Where did you go to college? I went to St. John's. Okay. Not uh, too far, right? Not too From far. No. Nope. Yep. Well, I had to get back up. to the bakery every day. So, you know, they didn't want me to be too far away. <laughs> I was still working in my dad's bread place. And um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depends on how you look at it, the two guys that my dad sold the place to were great bakers, but they weren't good businessmen. Yeah. They ran the place into the ground. Aww. My dad got stuck holding the note in the bakery. So he said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to become an accountant or do you want to take over the bakery? I really liked the bakery business, uh, I guess more than accounting, because I decided to go ahead and my take over the My husband also bakery. left accounting. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom and dad were nice enough to stay with me. I finished my last year of college uh, okay. while I was running the bakery, working seven days a week, sleeping in philosophy class. Well, <laughs> a lot of people would sleep through philosophy class. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I guess maybe the rest is history. Uh, from 1973 on, uh, I took over. As a matter of fact, May 1st will be our 40th anniversary. You must have been very young when you started this. I was 20 years old. 20 years old. Yeah. Most 20-year-olds do not start off with, you know, being able to be able to have the head to do this. Yeah. Well, I guess I've seen my dad in action for a long time right. and I've uh, been working close to him. Yep. Uh, and I really just liked it. And I studied business, so I knew how to do the cost accounting and everything. I never really did our books, uh, you know, our uh, tax returns and stuff, because you want a real accountant to do that, just like you want a real baker to make your bake goods. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Starting out, though, as an Italian pastry shop, um, we were kind of, well, we were dairy. I mean, there was no escaping it between the ricotta cheese and the milk and our custards and all that. Um, and the neighborhood really didn't call for it, I thought, at the time. We had a wholesale business selling to those supermarkets and also selling to... Uh, it was branded as Sapienza Yes, at the it time? was. Yep. yep. I changed name. the name. I changed the name you to, changed to, to the Sapienza Bake Shop. family name. Sapienza Bake Shop, yep. Um, and um, we uh, we were working, selling to these supermarket chains, and, and I wanted to start growing the wholesale end of the business. Uh, in the late 80s, no matter where I went, everyone wanted us to be kosher, and I had no idea what was involved. Okay, so great. I, so we're going to hear the history now of how, how it and became. you became kosher because you're not a Jew. Your last name's not Cohen, you no, know. Nope. You would think a Cohen <laughs> family would have, you know, a kosher baker, but Sapienza sounds so, you know, it's so authentic Italian. It is. That's one of the reasons why I decided to keep in my name because Italian and bakery yeah, is all together. Synonymous, yeah. yes. So it, 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 
was an education for me to learn about kosher. I had friends that told me what we, I needed to do, and we called up a kosher supervision company, and they came and they told us what needed to be done. And I was only concerned about the wholesale side of the business. Right. It wasn't so – was it a hard transition to go to kosher? I was very, very lucky. It was very simple. The guy who taught me never taught me with lard. We were all vegetable shortening from the beginning. We had to change like two or three things like our chocolate chips and our sprinkles. And, oh, that's so cool. And the rest, we were already there. And, and what certification do you have? We have Cuff K. Okay. We've been with them since 88 or 89. Wow. So you've been kosher for that long. Yep. It's a yep. bit of a secret unless you live in that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got to spread the word. Okay. We've got That's to spread good. the word. That's why I said I've got to have you on the show because I go so far out of my way to go just to your bakery and I'll bring it back for my neighbors. Also, I can never go there without bringing my neighbors back something because they've definitely heard of you, but they haven't gone out to you. So mm-hmm. now we've got mm-hmm. to you know, spread the word. It's worth the trip. It's not so far for something that's amazing. Thank you. Thanks a lot. So, um, I, and I did it for the wholesale side of the business because mm-hmm. I really didn't think the neighborhood warranted it. I, I guess I, I just didn't know enough at the time. So um, we did that. We were selling wholesale. Everyone loved the Cuff K. Everyone loved our pastries. And uh, I got a phone call from uh, Rabbi Ozerowski, God bless him, on Elmont Road. There was a congregation there. Okay. And he called me up and he said, Paul, I see that you're on the list for kosher suppliers, but your retail store isn't kosher. Why is that? So I explained to him about the wholesale business and how I didn't think it was important retail. And he said, well, it is. We had a kosher bakery in town and it closed up and my congregation really needs somewhere to shop. Okay. And I said, look, Rabbi, I'm really not ready for this now. You know, we're going to do it with the wholesale. We'll have to see what happens in the future. And I kind of just brushed him off. Okay. Next month, Rabbi Ozerowski calls again. Paul, have you thought about it? I said, Rabbi. <laughs> Come on, we need your pastries. Come on. Come I on, said, Paul, Rabbi, I don't know. So these calls came for the next three, four months, and I finally said, okay, Rabbi, okay, I'm going to see what's involved. Called up Cuff K. They came in. Once again, like I said, we really had to change very, very little, and uh, we made the retail store kosher. Um, Cuff K told me it was going to cost me X amount of dollars a week to do that, and I said, what, are you kidding? I said, how can I justify that? He says, well, why don't you just try it for a couple of months and see how it goes? Right. Our sales increased tremendously in the first week. <gasps> the first week? The first week. Unbelievable. I was sold. I knew that the neighborhood needed something like that, and and we went on. Oh, my God. I'm like sitting here with my door, jaw <laughs> dropping down. That's really fantastic. It was. It was, it was Thank it, you. It was very encouraging, and it was really good to know because it, it helped support me and, and whatever changes we had to make. Well, then time went on, and I learned more about dairy and parv. So now I'm like, it's kind of Jewish now. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, what good is it that I'm kosher if I'm parv? Right. But it was like I said, it, it was it was good from the beginning. Um, we knew that we could never really be parv. Right. Uh, we had op- opened up a wholesale factory in the um, around '89, and for 15 years we were making our cannoli shells and our wholesale products in that factory. And it just so happened that everything that we were making there was parv. Uh-huh. And the few things that we had with dairy were cold. So I knew that that was not a problem. Okay, he really knows his stuff. I learned. (laughs) Rabbi Sapienza. (laughs) And um, we we were producing uh, some stuff parv and some stuff not. And uh, because the the parv stuff was coming out of the factory. And 96, I met someone who asked me about uh, making a parv filling for cannolis. And I was like, well, I don't, I really wouldn't know how to do that. You know, buttercream is buttercream. It's not going to be a cannoli. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, well, he says, I know how to make this parv cheesecake, and yep. what we do is we smash up the cheesecake, and you can squeeze it into the cannoli shells. So I said, all right, we'll give it a try. And? So we did, and it was a success. It wasn't a huge success, but it was a success, okay. and we started making parv cheesecakes. 
Do you make parv cheesecake? We don't do them now because I don't have a parv facility anymore. Ah, uh, I have actually a good parv cheesecake recipe. I think I got it from Joe Nathan that I've been using. So thank you, Joe Nathan. <laughs> um, we um, at that point we. Uh, we actually we continued on for a little bit making the parv cheesecake. Like I said, it wasn't a huge hit, so it wasn't that important for us to continue. Uh, the whole wholesale business was taking a hit uh, at the time. Things were very competitive. Flour was going through the roof. Yeah. Between yeah. 2004 and 2007, I made a decision to move out of the wholesale business. I merged that with another company. Now I use Brooklyn Cannoli, uh, which was in Brooklyn, and now they're in South Amboy, New Jersey. They do all of the production. Are and they kosher? They're kosher. Okay. Yeah. What are they called? I'm sorry. Uh, Brooklyn Cannoli Company. Brooklyn Cannoli. Brooklyn Cannoli Cannoli yep. <laughs> Company, and where do we find their products? Um, it's not going to have their name on it because just like I used to wholesale, uh, oh, we would bring okay. it to the store Rebranded. and they put their name on okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, they were kind of into making most of my products, but they weren't making it into making the parv. It would have disrupted their production too much, uh. so we cut out the parv cheesecake. And we cut out all parv production. So we are all dairy, but you know, there's a big holiday coming up, and that's why I, fit, I felt it was so befitting that you come in at this point. In well, we're counting down the Omer, which is a countdown between um, Passover and Shavuot, and we count down each day, and we're um, getting closer and closer to Shavuot, and that is our big holiday that we celebrate eating a lot of dairy. So, you know, it's a this, little. That's a little hard for us to pronounce, but us Gentiles call that the cheese holiday. The cheese holiday. <laughs> oh, we'll go with that. Um, yeah, so I was in the store last week when I actually decided my, – my cousin, Shelley. Hi, Shelley. Um, she asked me to pick up her daughter from West Hempstead, and I never go to West Hempstead during the week without going home via your store. <laughs> so I don't go too often, because, which is good because I'd be much better. <laughs> but um, I took my, my, my cousin's daughter, TJ – and we, I said, TJ, get whatever you want. And she picked a nice, big, luscious red velvet cupcake, which she got all over her face <laughs> at my at my kitchen table. <laughs> she was so cute. Um, and we picked up a whole whole bunch of, you know, food. And we um, that's when I said, oh, I got it. And it all dawns on me once. I got to have Paul on my show. So, um, you know, that's when we spoke about him coming in. But, um, you know, I, I saw the large selections of cheesecakes and regular cakes. My daughter, Gabriella. Um, her birthday's in July, and she keeps reminding me now that we're getting close to the summer. Don't forget to order my chocolate cake from Sapienza, and I, I bring that up to camp for her <laughs> so the kids can have uh, real Sapienza cake uh, up in the Pocono Mountains. So, Very um, nice. Yeah, it's great. So Very I, I buy it, I stick it in the freezer, and for like a month it's sitting there, and then I bring it up to camp for her. Um, but the large cheesecake selection is unreal, and, and for shovel what? Now's the time to... Um, should people place orders or you have enough in the store? We almost always have enough in the store. If you really want something special, you should place an order for it. Uh, it just seems that week, that, that day, that anything that has cheese on it and it's not tied down will walk out the store <laughs> by itself. Right. I mean, don't just stop at cheesecake, really. So let's talk about the di- what's traditional in the store. Mm-hmm. Like what's traditional Italian? We all think cannoli because mm-hmm. we've all watched The Godfather. Exactly. So what else is really traditional Italian? And I know Northern Italy and Southern Italy have mm, different cuisines. So they do. You're such. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the food. You see? I know about Italian food. Um, so what's Southern Italy's dessert cuisine, like Sicilian? 
being from from Sicily, uh, the the most popular is the cannoli that they cannoli. they originated from Sicily. It's made with with a ricotta cheese, so it's not quite as heavy as a cream cheese yeah, it's much pastry. Lighter. It's much lighter, uh, not as many calories. They say, and um, it, it's it's the, the crispiness of the shell and the sweetness of the cream. Um, we uh, we fill them fresh every day, and if they're filled for too long, the shell will get soggy. Soggy, yeah. yeah. So um, if you can't get them fresh every day, we also sell them in a kit where the cream is frozen in a squeeze bag, and you can fill your own cannolis so anytime cute. you want. Great shavuos idea, and that's a really fun interactive dessert you can bring to the table, actually, yeah. right? They that's can right. do that. Sure. It's not actually cooking, so that would be actually be cute. Put out some sliced strawberries on a nice platter, bring out you know a couple of tubes, Bag, they're in a like a squeeze, squeeze bag, tube, plastic, a squeeze bag, plastic squeeze bag, um, and some cannolis, and people can fill their own. Yeah. They can put as much in or as little. Maybe throw in some chocolate chips. That's right. You can throw some flour on your face and make believe you made it yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. That's a really cute. Like I like serving fondue because it's an interactive dessert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's another alternative to. It is. Yep. So that's the most traditional Sicilian pastry. Uh, we also make fig cookies, which are very traditional fig Italian cookies. Yes. Okay, yep. and we can Cookie. see some of this stuff online so yes, to know exactly. what you're talking yep. about. Which is sapienzabakeshop.com. Okay, there you go, sapienzabakeshop.com, and they also have a Facebook page. We do, yes. Okay, so what else is? We um, we sell the other tradi- most traditional that used to be the most popular after a cannoli was called a sfogliatelle, which is very hard to say. Also, oh, yeah. so, so we call <laughs> Not them the with cl- my Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so we call them the clamshell things, and they have multi-layers of crispy dough on the outside, and the filling is made with the ricotta cheese, I actually didn't see any. I'm, I'm looking to box. see in the box I'm that sorry, Paul no. bought us if we have any. Nope, I'm no, afraid we don't. Lots but of cannolis, though. That's good. The filling is made with ricotta cheese, uh, semolina, and eggs. And uh, just like the cannoli shell is supposed to be crispy, the outside of the sfogliatelle is also supposed to be crispy. So um, it's baked off fresh every day. Uh, it does also get soggy after a day. It has like a one-day shelf life like bread. Eat it up fast. You buy it and you eat it. That's what I say about sushi. It's like sushi. You buy it and you eat it or you have to throw it out. Or we also sell them frozen, unbaked, which is what we used to do with the supermarket chains. Mm -hmm. We do still with supermarket chains and restaurants. They keep it frozen and you bake it off yourself as you need it. And it's nice because it makes the house smell good too. Exactly. Mm. And it's always hot hot and crispy and fresh as you need it. Good for the palate, good for the smell, the nose. We're working on all the senses. Okay. Um, and then we have cream puffs, eclairs, napoleons, which are all made either with a cannoli filling or with a custard filling. We make our own custard from scratch. What's what's the um, what's this thing called here? Um, that's I a, just pointed to something in the box. That's a napoleon. That's a napoleon. That's yeah. made with custard? Yes. Yeah. That is my favorite. And I pull it apart. I eat the top first with the icing and... Yep. And then, and the, the icing is the best part. I like and, the icing the best. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and and what what's what's the middle layer made of? Filo it's, dough? It's not. Filo it's dough. like filo dough, but it's not really. It's a puff pastry. It's a puff pastry. The same kind of dough like apple turnovers are made out. Yeah, of. that's the same like thing. That. Yes. <gasps> oh, I I think I might have to make my own. Yeah. <laughs> to, to give a, it a try. We make two layers of filling. One is a cannoli cream filling. The other one is a custard filling. Three layers of the flaky dough, and then we put the icing on. And what's the, top. the icing? Royal icing. It's it's a it's a, a it's a fondant icing. It's a fondant icing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. and then it has a little black swirl in it. That's my favorite. Yeah, much like what's on a black and white cookie, oh, like that same type. Yep. My husband loves um, the eclairs. Mm. <laughs> That's always popular, and cannolis. Yep. Cannolis, the eclairs we make with a vanilla custard, and we also do it with a chocolate custard with whipped cream on top. Uh-huh. And we have four different kinds of cream puffs, actually. Okay. So everyone's got to go in and try these. Shavuos is coming up really fast, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
You're listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. I have Paul Sapienza in the store with me, in the store, <laughs> the bakery, in the studio, talking about his wonderful store in Elmont, Long Island. Um, he's traditional. He's from Italy. He has a traditional Italian bakery that he decided it would be good for business and good for just community to become kosher. It's been about 20 years, right? Uh, 40 years. 40 well, kosher, kosher for 20. Though. Kosher for 20 years. Yeah. So if you live in Brooklyn, homes. Teaneck, Long Island, um, the North Shore, anywhere on the South Shore, anywhere, you got to drive into his bakery. Okay, what is the most popular? The most popular item is the cannoli still. Okay, see. But good. since we morphed into kind of a full-line bakery, um, our cakes have now become more popular than, than the pastries. Pastries used oh, to be the number one item, but cakes now uh, have taken over, and we do all kinds of cakes, from layer cakes to the cheesecakes. I saw wedding cakes about. online. We do wedding they, cakes. They're also kosher? Yes. So if you're oh, having yeah. a milkwick wedding, you can have a milkwick. Yep, absolutely. Everything we make is kosher. Uh, wedding cakes are more popular now. Also, uh, the other kind of fondant, which is the rolled fondant, mm-hmm. like the, the Cake Boss talks about, um, is a uh, sugar coating that you kind of roll out with a rolling pin yeah, and then like you drape it, drape it over the cakes. Exactly. That type of, of medium gives you so much more creativity uh, than just whipped cream or buttercream. So you can do a lot more decorating, a lot more intricate designs, and a lot more intricate work with it. The wedding cakes on the website are gorgeous. Thank you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I didn't have a wedding cake in Australia like I did, I did 20, almost 20 years um, ago. I did not have a wedding cake. I don't know. I can't remember why. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe we just out of the budget. I spent all my parents' money. I have no <laughs> idea. But uh, uh, wedding cakes are beautiful. I love the artwork that goes into them. It's really, it's not a dessert. It's a piece of artwork. It is. We have that a very, you get to eat. <laughs> we have a very talented baker, and uh, he, he does great work. Uh, his name is Roberto, and um, he uh, he's, he actually has taken the art form and, and raised it to another level as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, go on the website and take a look at what he's done. Yep. And you're also speaking about his work being so great, you've actually won awards. Uh, Robert has won. Uh, there's a there's a bakery show in Atlantic City every other year in the springtime. Uh, it was in 12. It's going to be again in 14. Okay. Uh, he's entered competition there for, I think it was, uh, five or six years uh, or five or six shows in a row, and uh, he always came away with some kind of medal. Oh, that's uh, cool. So, yeah, uh, and which really comes in handy now because um, – well, uh, you mentioned the website. My son, Andrew, uh, handles that. He's actually moving into the business now. Uh, him, so and, nice. him and my wife run it because I still do the wholesale side. Right, right, right. So I'm really not involved, as involved in the retail as they are. But my wife, Roseanne, my son, Andrew, uh, are running it. And now Robert is also a partner with us. That's and nice. it's really important uh, now with the, uh, with the creativity and with the fondant cakes because it used to just be wedding cakes that were tiered cakes. But now everyone comes in for tiered cakes, even for first birthdays, for sweet 16s and everything. Everyone has kind of stepped up their party, I guess, a little bit more, and the cake is being more of a centerpiece. Right. Well, we have all these great cake shows, and, you know, mentioned the mm-hmm. cake box, cake boss, and, you you know, there's lots of food competitions out there. So everyone's upping the ante on, 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 on their food in general, especially with cakes. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. great. Yep. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank this you for asking. Right. I, I, I have got a cup of coffee now someone bought me a cup of coffee and i've got all the i've got three boxes of sapienza uh cakes in front of me cakes and cookies he actually has something called a biscotti now to jews that is called mandelbrot right that's right means i believe biscotti means twice baked it is it's baked Um, in a low form just like the mandelbrot is then you cut it into slices you turn them on their sides and you toast them that's the second bacon. That's the same way I make my biscotti and I, yeah. you know, uh, my mandelbrot. So he's saying they dip it in chocolate, but he has a 
really large selection in front of me. You know, my eyes are eating right now because I don't want to talk mm-hmm. and uh, eat at the same time. I'm going to wait till the show is over. Um, but thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. It's and, my um, you know, if you want to place your orders, um, you want to give everyone your, the phone number? Sure. We have an 800 number. It's, hmm, what is the 800 number? <laughs> we can look that up for you. I can give it. Five, I think at, it's 537-5232. So it's 1-800. Yep. Why don't we just stick with the regular number? Just so stick with we the regular sure number. Right. Yep. You can find the 800 number on the website, though. <laughs> and the website is? SapienzaBakeShop.com. And the phone number is? 516-352-5232. Great. So the, hopefully the phones will ring hot in the next so. couple of weeks to place shovel water orders or Shabbos morning breakfast. There's nothing like coming down to breakfast before you go to shul and having a synagogue and Nice big cup of coffee and some really nice Danishes. And, and uh, it's not so much Danishes, right? We don't um, call this Danishes. We call them pastries. Well, they're, they're, Danishes are called pastries also generically, I guess, in America. Um, we don't do very much breakfast or morning stuff, though. We do a very limited amount. Most of us is, most of what we do is desserts. It's cook, cookies, pastries, and cakes. Okay, wonderful. I, I, I had a croissant, butter croissant the other week. So I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of butter croissants in Israel. They make amazing butter croissants. They have really great bakeries out of Israel also. But I feel like we need to uh, spread the word about, you know, great bakeries in New York, and you are it. You know, this is really special. Thanks so much, Naomi. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for thank you for being kosher. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I really uh-huh. appreciate And Weight Watchers thanks you too because, you know, you bring in more customers. <laughs> we didn't get you to sign that release? Yeah, well, no. Nah. <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you so much. You are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. We are on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Dr. Rifka Steens from Stepping Stones Pediatrics out in Brooklyn. Their address is 1407 46th Street, Brooklyn, New York, and it's right off 14th Avenue. If you're looking for a great pediatrician, looking to switch, she is your doctor. I really wanted to thank them for uh, taking on our sponsorship because I really wanted get Dr. Steen to talk to everyone about how we can stay healthy by eating healthy snacks because, you know, we have, you know, we just spoke about cakes and that's always has it has a place because we say everything does have a place. But, you know, the kids come home from school, you're not going to give them a cannoli. The cannoli you're going to save for yourself, right? But, but you know, we want to talk about, you know, how to keep our kids healthy, drinking healthy. I think the, the, um, the beverage industry is a multi-billion dollar industry when really we should just be drinking water. So we're going to talk to Rifka Sin about that. Um, I want to just touch on a couple of things. I've got some announcements to make. Um, I myself, Naomi Nachman, will be giving a cooking demonstration at the Aussie's Fish Counter in Gourmet Glut on May 7th. I used to start it off with them in the year 2006 when they first moved into Gourmet Glut in Cedarhurst. I started doing some fish recipes with them. For, I developed some fish recipes for them, and then I started demoing them at the store just to, you know, Jews were so used to eating, um, you know, uh, salmon, maybe some carp, maybe a little flounder. But we wanted to introduce more to the kosher market some interesting fish like red snapper, branzini, sea bass. So I really wanted to up the ante uh, for them. And, and um, you know, as we say, you know, we're getting better and better um, at cooking fish. So, so um, I'm going to be doing another demonstration. Um, in the store on May 7th. So I look forward to uh, inviting all my listeners to come to Gourmet Glut in uh, Cedarhurst May 7th. And we're going to be doing some recipes and we're giving out recipe cards and you'll have a tasting and a food demo all for free. And it's so much fun to shop in Gourmet Glut. 
So I have on the air with me, she's actually in her uh, office in Brooklyn, New York, Dr. Rivka Steen. Rivka? Hi. Hello. Hello, Dr. Steen. How are you? Good. Okay. Are you, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I know that you've got a really busy morning. This is a busy time of the year for you. Absolutely. Very busy. (laughs) Hopefully, right hopefully, right. Hopefully, see healthy checkups and and well visits. I should be busy. Keep keep busy with well visits. Amen. Um. So you are a pediatrician and you are based out of Brooklyn. I was just telling all the listeners while you were uh, coming, were able to get you on the phone. And I was, I, I wanted to thank you for being a sponsor and have you on the show because I wanted to talk to our listeners and talk to you and them to hear how can we get healthy by eating the right snacks. Okay, so this is an issue that comes up a lot as a pediatrician because kids come in to the office for well visits or any other time, and I talk to them about health, health, eating healthy and very much what they take to school. We don't have a whole lot of control over what the schools give, but we can control what the kids are taking to school and what they're snacking on when they come home. And most children are eating all kinds of garbage, like the deep-fried um, super snacks and potato chips, tons of cakes and cookies and things like that, um, which are not healthy. And they give them lots of calories, and they taste good, and they keep them quiet for a while. Right, just but a little while. aside from that, they're not very good for them. Right. So the number one issue that comes up with children is peer pressure. Okay, what do you mean by that? Meaning that they want to eat what their friends are eating. Oh, you know, true. And they also look at what their parents are eating. Right. And that's where this all comes from. So, so if a... they come home and mommy's eating a piece of cake and says, take an apple, they don't want that. They want the cake, not the apple. Exactly. And if all their friends are eating potato chips, they're not going to take grapes for lunch. But if we could get together and everyone could work on it as a group, if you can get your friends together or get their friends together to be healthy or even speak to the schools, it helps. It definitely helps. And there are lots of healthy options to their, their favorite foods. Right. You know, for example, kids very often in the summertime, I'm heading into now, I'm, I walk down the street and everyone's eating ices. I hear a phone in the background. Someone's calling. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Um, Rifkestein's so phone they're is ringing. Sitting, yeah, they're all sitting around and eating ices on the front steps. Right. Well, how and about freezing some fruit? Frozen bananas are delicious. Frozen grapes, frozen strawberries. Frozen grapes. That's such a great idea. You know, I forgot about that. My kids in the summer, I go to Costco every week. I load up on fruits and vegetables. Um, and my kids, whenever I buy grapes, they wash it, they put them in Ziploc bags, and they put them in the freezer. Right. Okay. And so that's always a great – now, the, the one problem you have with grapes with little kids is that they're round and they're choking hazards. So you okay. definitely have to cut them in half. So we have to cut them in half lengthways, not sideways or Exactly. Cut right? them in half lengthwise. And they um, still freeze well? Well, you can do it once they're frozen, actually. You can let them defrost just a drop. Yeah. You can do it once they're or, frozen. Or if you have a good knife, you probably can do it. Um, it's a good serrated knife. We'll probably be able to get through that frozen. Absolutely. Okay. So that's a good thing to cool them off when they come home. And you can actually just say to them, you know, if you want the junk food, you got to ask. But if you want frozen grapes, help yourself. Right. Right. Do, do the kids, you know, give you a hard time about, like, you know, all their friends are eating something. They're allowed, like, one snack a day, like, or a couple of times a week. Sure. Well, if you cut off everything, then they're going to sneak and they're going to take what they want. Right, right. But if you actually educate them, show them this is what we're eating at home, talk to them about it, then they're more likely to take the healthier snacks. You can, we have a rule in my family that you get one junky snack and one fruit snack a day. Okay, that's and a great idea. And unless you take a fruit, you don't get the junk. Right, right, right. You so know, they have that, that ability to be part of everyone else and to fit in with the group, but at the same time, they're eating something healthy. Or you could limit it to Shabbos. I know when I have, my kids are a little bit older and they'll, they'll have all their friends walk over in the afternoon um, in our neighborhood and, 
quite often, you know, I, I've got to make a spontaneous um, shalashita. So, right. you know, I make a salad because, they're you know, they're teenage girls, young teenage girls. I put out a salad. I put out some bread. I cut up some fruit. And then, you know, if there's a little candy, I'll put it out. You should know every week the fruit and the salad goes. And the nash I end up throwing out because once I put out the jelly beans and the chocolates, you know, that – they don't that no one's touching them and they get dried out. I usually end up throwing them out because no one's eating them. All the fruit goes. Right. Well, generally speaking, with kids, if you have stuff cut up just there that they can grab, especially if it's something crunchy, because that's very similar to like chips and, and corn chips and all those things that they're eating. Minus the salt. If you just cut up a bunch of vegetables and leave them on the table, you'd be surprised that they disappear, even with your children, who when you sit down to dinner won't touch anything. Right. And maybe you could put out like some hummus. But like if you're leaving some vegetables on the table, mm-hmm. leave out some hummus, right? Is and then hummus... you get the protein and they dip it in. They love dipping. They, they love, love to dip. dip. Yeah. Take little schnapps cups and put hummus or tchina or something in it and give them some bunch of cut of vegetables. And their friends will come asking you for some. Oh, that's so nice. That That's a really great idea. I'm actually going to start that at home. I, quite often I have a salad waiting for when the kids come home from school so they can start eating uh, some salad before dinner's ready. But maybe some now it's the summertime, you know, they they want to go out and play a little ball first. If I leave up some carrots and cut up cucumbers right. and some a bowl of hummus, I actually make my own hummus. You can go, actually go to my website, um, theaussiegourmet.com, right. and you'll see a great hummus recipe. You know, it's great to make that yourself because it's not full of the junk and the right. preservatives. Right, preservatives and everything that's in there usually. Okay, so what is the healthiest drink we can find out there. Well, the healthiest drink is water. Is water. Okay. So now the trick is getting kids to drink water. Right. So that was, again, yeah. it depends what the parents are drinking. If the parents are drinking juice and coffee and soda, the kids are going to drink juice and coffee and soda. If it's not in the house, they're not going to the store and buying it. Right. So if mommy and tati are eating, are drinking water, the kids will drink water. Okay. So I've got a problem. This is my problem. I don't love water. Okay. How can I, what can I drink that's not diet soda? Somebody told me I had a Spartan name. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Spartan? Spartan? Don't know that. The diet soda. Now, any what, diet, what, anything is worse for you probably than the regular they sugar. They said, you know, I get a lot of headaches. They said, you're drinking too much soda because aspartame. Oh, aspartame. Aspartame. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's probably causing me a lot of headaches. Right. You know, so, you know, drink more water. But I don't love water. What can I do to... What well, else what is- we did in my house was, you know, when my kids were little, they used to drink juice. And then I realized it really wasn't very good for them and I wasn't drinking juice. So we bought a seltzer machine. Oh, that's cute. And you can either buy seltzer in the store, but if you take seltzer and put in like two drops of juice, and I mean literally, my kids love lime juice. So we buy these bottles of lime juice, and they put in two drops of lime juice and a whole cup of seltzer, and they think they've got soda. And on Shabbos, I'll buy apple juice or orange juice or grape juice, and they get that as a treat for Shabbos, mixed with seltzer. Right. (laughs) And they call that soda. That's so cute. I don't think they've had soda in... Months. Right, or maybe right. we had some over Pesach, but that okay. was about it. Yeah, Pesach, you got to you yeah. got to yeah, up the ante a little treat, bit. But, there. but yeah, you yeah. know, a half a cup of apple juice with half a cup of seltzer on Shabbos cuts the calories in half. And then they're just used to drinking seltzer, and they love making it. The seltzer machine is so much fun. Right. I think Israel has has a has put out a great um, soda machine mate. What do you call it? Right. Seltzer maker, gazos or something? There's. I'm trying to remember which one we have. We have one of them. You can get them in most of the most of the stores around here. At one point, I think even Costco had it. Right. And, well, a lot of these actually come with flavorings, and I would not recommend those because they're advertised as either diet or low-calorie. Uh-huh. The low-calorie ones are basically half diet. And oh, so the artificial sugars really are not so good for you, for anyone, but especially for kids. I'd rather a kid eat sugar than eat artificial sugar. Okay, yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Um, I know that you you probably have to get back to patients, but, you know, this is a really important thing to, to for us to leave up on 
besides, um, you know, is, is sharing, you know, people give, I buy, I know I used to buy Diet Coke. I'm really going to be good and keep, stay away from that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, what's the myth about diet? If you give your kids diet soda, they'll be short or something or grow a third arm. Remember when we were growing yeah, up? That's, that's very, very old. Um, yeah, today they, they seem to be pretty safe in terms of growth factor and all of that. They don't seem to have that much of an effect. What they do have an effect, though, is, and this is, have been many studies on this, is people actually gain weight when they drink, when they drink diet drinks. Really? Because it triggers the sweet sensors in your brain. Yeah. But it doesn't satisfy them. Uh-huh. If you eat some, a candy, it makes you want more sugar, but you also have the satisfaction of the sugar chemically in the brain so you say, okay, I've had some, I'll have a little more. When you drink the diet drinks and eat um, the artificial sugar additives and all the other things, it triggers in the brain a craving for sugar, but it doesn't satisfy it at all. So you end up eating more and drinking more in order to satisfy that. Very so there's a lot of studies that people do not actually lose weight by switching to diet. Now, there are extreme cases where you have a kid who you really need to put on something and say, fine, just right. diet it's stuff It's hard instead. for a kid. It's but then you've got to be really careful with what else they're, with what else they're eating and drinking because men, most people end up eating more to satisfy that sugar craving when they've had a diet drink. So, you know, I know when I'm really thirsty at night and, you know, I'm flashing and I love milk. I love to drink milk. Mm-hmm. I know I'm like a baby. <laughs> um and I like if I'm flashic and I can't have a, you know a glass of milk. If I have some diet coke, I'll drink some diet coke and then I'll go up to bed. And then ten minutes later, I need to drink more. Right, because you were craving that sweetness, but you're not satisfying it. Oh my gosh! Thank if you had a cup of regular coke, you'd have more calories, but you'd satisfy it and you go to bed satisfied. Right, but yeah, the problem is got caffeine and I'd be up all night because well, the caffeine kicked me in. <laughs> in. Caffeine's no good for yeah. kids either. That makes me right. short. Right. Yeah, I never drink my coffee past two o'clock, or else I'd literally watch the sun rise in the in the following morning <laughs> thank you so much dr steen for coming in and sharing with us i uh i hope everyone's learned a lot about um keeping their kids healthy and thank you very much for sponsoring and um i'm going to try to put some tips on my website um the aussiegourmet.com to share with people and also um a recipe with using a machine um it's called um yonana Yon- oh yes a yonana that's right i think I, we it's got it great. on amazon and you put you freeze fruit and you push it through this ice cream machine. We have one of those. My kids think it's ice cream. See, there you go. And it's no calories, right? It's just well, frozen fruit. it's not no fruit. calories. It's fruit. Fruit has calories. Fruit has calories. But compared to the regular ice cream, it's nothing. Right, right. And you're getting them to eat fruit. Okay, Make great. a big bowl of it and put it out for their friends. You'll have everyone on the block over at your house. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really a wonderful idea. So thank you. And you can, we'll spread that. They can, all the kids can spread the love about eating healthy by, by sharing with their friends. Right. Thank you so much right. for coming in. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Naomi Nachman on Table for Two. I just was talking with uh, Rivka Steen, our sponsor for this month. This is on the Nachum Siegel Network. She is, she can be found on uh, in her Brooklyn office. Um, I'm just pulling up the address, Stepping Stone Pediatrics, 40, 1407 46th Street in Brooklyn, New York. She's an amazing pediatrician, and she's got really her thumb on the pulse of the neighborhood and how to keep us all healthy which is really such an important thing. You know, I, I, li- I like to eat healthy, but there is a place for everything. And I have also, I, um, I had in the studio Paul Sapienza, who is a owner, proprietor, family business of the most amazing Italian bakery um, in, uh, in, in uh, Long Island. So it's really fun to, um, fun to have him talking about the, the great healthy, um, the great 
non-healthy, I, sh- I should say, the great non-healthy desserts. But we also have to balance that out with a little bit of, you know, just knowing when to eat healthy and when you can have a little bit of like Shavuot, cheesecake, cookies on Shabbat as well. So um, I just wanted to share a couple things from you. I was in touch with Ilan Kornblum. He runs the great kosher magazines and restaurants. Um, he was here in the studio a few months ago. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy, and he, he uh, has a great website um, and, you, and greatkosherdeals.com. And you, he just, you know, I said to him, what can I share with my listeners about? He keeps an eye on all the trends and openings and closings in the, in the uh, I guess, New York area, tri-state area of, um, of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, of what is opening and what is closing because, unfortunately, the kosher industry, sometimes we open and then sometimes we close. So I wanted to share just a couple of things. I don't know if people know that. Prime Grill, so he sent me this. Prime Grill is moving. I don't know if you'd heard the bus, but they are reopening in May. You can go to the Facebook page and see some pictures of the construction going on. So we look forward to uh, hearing exciting things from Prime Grill. They are actually one of my favorite restaurants. People go there for the steak, but I go there for everything else because he, he just I've had uh, scallopini there um, made from sea bass. Yeah, it might not taste like the real thing, I couldn't tell you, but it was amazing and being a you know, big fan of the fish. Um, so it was really delicious. So all his stuff there, I had a pasta with an egg yolk cracked on top and and um, just with, with like bacon bits in it, fake and bacon. Um, just some really amazing um, out-of-the-box food he's got there. Also, Gotham Burger is now taking over where Meat Me used to be on the Upper West Side. So they are going to be opening in May. That's very soon. And they will have a sports bar theme. So that's always fun. Um and also, Ilan asked me to spread the word. He's going to be having, it's called Dinner and Dialogue. So Alison Joseph, which is due in the city, um, she is a great um, presenter and orator, and she's going to be talking about um, a couple of things at three different restaurants over the next couple of months. Um, next couple of weeks, I should say May and June, she's going to be at J Soho, Tea Fusion, and Prime Bistro. And... Um, uh, Ilan was so kind, and he gave us a code for our listeners to get $5 off if you sign up for Dinner and Dialogue at one of these three restaurants. So you just have to put in the promo code Naomi, N-A-O-M-I, and you can get $5 off this fantastic dinner. Um, she's going to be giving a th- – it will be a three-course specialty menu um, from each restaurant, as I said, J Soho, Tea Fusion, and Prime Bristro. Uh, one's in Manhattan, one's in Brooklyn, and one's in the Five Towns, but you can go to create – greatkosherdeals.com or you can call 718-336-4201 to uh, find out some more uh, information uh, about these very exciting events. I think I might like go to one. I've never actually heard Alison talk, so uh, I'd like to try to get to one of those. Um, also, just to share, he shared with me, Bravo is taking over where Cravings used to be in the Wall Street area. That's actually open right now, so that's very exciting for the downtown people. Um, they don't have so many restaurants down there, not as many as Midtown, so they're always happy to have something new and changed. Um, and Mike's Bistro is now serving squab, which is a bird not generally kosher. Um, I guess they have a hard time catching it and shechting it just right. So he has some. So if you want to go eat it for a limited time, you've got to make an, a 24-hour in advance reservation. So you can call Mike at Mike's Bistro, thank you very much, Alain Kornblum, for sharing that with us. Hopefully, he'll send me each week a couple of new openings, hopefully not too many closings, but just to share with us some great restaurant ideas of where to go. 
If anybody has also any bake sales, I know I Shine in the Five Towns just had a bake sale yesterday. People would like me to spread the word on on the show. Um, please let me know. You can reach me at Naomi at NahumSiegel.com, and I'm happy to announce on the radio where your bake sale will be. Or if you have a community cookbook, a school cookbook, a camp cookbook, anything that I can help sell for you, I'm happy to sell for you know charity. This is such a wonderful course. On that note, I'm going to ask, tell everyone that Mother's Day is coming up. Paul, now I'm looking at you across the studio. Mother's Day cakes. Because that, we're not going to be, you know, eat meat on Mother's Day brunch. So we can order a nice dairy cake. So that's a really great idea. We can uh, get in some uh, Mother's Day um, pastries but and, and cakes and cookies and cannolis. But also my, my kids' school, SKA, Hebrew High School, the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach High School for Girls, we put out a cookbook, the um, the um, Parent Council, two years ago uh, under Jochebed Goldberg and um, I'm sorry, and Carol. Oh my gosh, Carol, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm blanking out. Um, so they put out a um, a uh, an amazing cookbook which is available for sale, um, the SKA cookbook. Um, it's really amazing. I've got some recipes in there. A whole community of SKA mothers put recipes some students some teachers put in some recipes if you'd like to buy it it's going to be $25 plus $5 for shipping so if you would like it um, you can email me at naomi at nachomsegel.com and I'll be happy to ship one out to you um, so we can make those arrangements so that's um, if anyone else has anything let me know I will share the love okay so as I mentioned earlier on I've got uh, a cooking class in just a couple of weeks I love 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 doing my cooking demonstrations so I hope I hope that people will um, stop by and uh, come and have a look um, at my 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 fish demos. Um, I will post that on my Facebook page, my Twitter page, and my Instagram page when and where and remind everyone to come. So now we're going into the final segment. The hour has flown by. We've talked about all sorts of yummy things, but now we're going to call. I call this segment. I haven't done it in quite a few weeks since before Pesach. It's called What's for Dinner. It's honor of my daughter, Eliana, because every day at 4 o'clock, I get a text saying, what's for dinner? I am not kidding you. If you looked at my text between her and me at the end of every day, 4 o'clock, it comes through. No matter what, yesterday I got, what's for dinner? Um, it wasn't actually yesterday. Yesterday she was in Washington. Um, she went on a lobbying trip with, um, her, with her school, SKA, but um, Tuesday night it was. She sent me a text, what's for dinner? And I told her, salmon and rice and goat cheese salad and she was all very excited so it's always you know the kids like to know it builds the anticipation of them coming home I kind of feel like it brings them home in a happier mood when they know there's some good grub and sometimes we go out to eat like probably one night early next week when I got a lot of things going on we'll go out to eat so uh you know we great restaurants out there so we you know gotta gotta keep the community restaurants going too um so I made the other night which I really wanted to share um, with everyone, you can use your own meatball recipe. Okay, I use mine from the Basiakov cookbook. Okay, so a big shout out to them. It's an absolutely fabulous cookbook. And what I did is I took their meatball recipe and I changed it a little. I called it doing a Naomi. I changed basically every recipe from the book, um, from any recipe that I do get from this book or any other book because, you know, you add in your own, I say recipes are just guidelines of what that chef who wrote it liked. But remember, your family has its own palate or you have a diet, or you want to ch- cut out the sugar, you want to add in more garlic, you should do what you want. So this is what I did with this fantastic meatball recipe. So I used their recipe. Um, instead of using red meat, which I'm really trying to cut down on, I use 
turkey, minced turkey, which I bought at Costco because Costco, thanks to them, has a great kosher selection. Their bakery's kosher, and their um, they have kosher meat now, glut kosher meat. They have fish, um, salmon under the OK fresh salmon, which I buy quite often um, from them. And, you know, I load up on my fruits and vegetables, my milk, my eggs, because I find them nice and economical um, for the family, especially when I buy so much fruit, um, because my kids really do love fruit. We call it God's candy. So um, we we bought, I bought this um, Empire turkey, chopped turkey. And what I did was, rather than adding eggs into it, I used whole eggs, I used egg whites. And instead of using breadcrumbs, I used panko crumbs. Now, I don't know if panko crumbs are healthier than breadcrumbs or, you know, if it's less gluten or I'm not sure exactly. But all I know was it made them so light and fluffy. It was biting into a cloud. It was amazing. So take a reg- your, your own regular meatball recipe. There's this pretty traditional, you know, it had the garlic powder and it had the oregano in it. Oregano, I know, I can say it like an American. <laughs> he's laughing. Paul's laughing. He's still with me in the studio. Oregano. I can't seem to say oregano. Breaks my teeth. So I used, I used oregano um, and, you know, just the traditional little ketchup in the mixture. And then I put it in the sauce, which was a um, couple of cans of tomato sauce and some lemon juice and some sugar. I actually halved the sugar recipe. If you're using the Besiakov cookbook, I halved the white sugar part. There's a brown sugar part. I did not have that, but I have the white sugar. Just couldn't put in two cups. And I made a double recipe, which is always a great tip because they freeze amazing. Um, one for tonight, one for, say, two weeks' time, or one for a friend who's not feeling well, or one just for a friend because you love her and you want to make her dinner. So um, so I I really found that the, the, the panko crumbs, and I, and I have to ask, I've got to get um, Jeff in from... Um, Abigail's Jeff. I can't. I'm really losing my touch with the last names today. I need some more coffee and cannolis. I think. Um, so um, Jeff from um, Abigail's. Um, he what was one of the first people who produced a kosher panko crumbs. Now everyone's doing it. Lieber's got one. Unger's got one. Uh, I and Chef has got their own co- brand, and they made theirs kosher too, which is really great. And they turn meatballs into light and fluffy air, <laughs> which was really nice. I really I really wanted to share that. Um, on Facebook, I recently posted it, recently as in two nights ago, I posted a fettuccine Alfredo video. About five years ago, six years ago, I was approached by um, a company who was putting together a kosher cooking DVD. Um, I post, uh, he was trying to get five chefs together. Um, all, we all shot individually um, recipes that we all, signature of our own recipes. And um, he put them on a DVD. It's called Everyday Kosher Cooking. I believe you can buy it on Amazon still. Um, Ariel Leibowitz put that together. Um, so I, I was one of the chefs and Mike Gurkovich and, and Chaya Frischman. Who, Mike Gurkovich, sorry, from Mike's Bistro, I should say. Um, and Chaya Frischman was also on it, who's Fruit Platters and More, who was a guest a couple of weeks ago. And I had done a Fredicini Alfredo recipe. And I thought with Shavuot coming up, um, I would post that. I was five months pregnant, so, you know... <laughs> I looked at the video last night. Um, it's actually posted on my uh, website, theaussiegourmet.com, but it's through YouTube. So when I went to this, you know, my site, then onto YouTube, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was pregnant when I did that. I, you know, it was a shock to see myself looking pregnant. <laughs> um, so I don't think that's current. <laughs> um, so uh, watch the video. It's got a great recipe. Um, so um, I also have the recipe on my website if you can't write it down from watching the video, you can grab that from my website. So um, it's Fettuccine Alfredo on the AussieGourmet.com. 
So we are running out of time here today. The hour has flown by, another hour flying by. We've had a great time today with Paul Sup taking a breath. <sighs> okay, with Paul Sapienza from Sapiens Bakery in Long Island and Dr. Rifka Steen. Um, I just want to tell you that next week's, uh, when you tune in next week, we're going to be having a little party in here. Mm, Paul's like, mm, what's going on in here? We definitely had a party today. I'm having um, the cheese guy come in. From He represents a company called The Cheese Guy. So that's really exciting. He's going to be coming in um, and talking to us all about cheeses, but at the same – and he's going to bring samples. I told him samples. And Jay Booksbaum from Ked and Wines, he's going to bring him some samples. Yay, wine. Cheese and wine at the same time in my studio right before Shovel What. So, you know, you can have you learn about cheese and wine next week. You learned all about fabulous cakes and dairy pastries this week and you learned even about how to be a little bit healthy so hopefully we've 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 taught everybody something we've had some great food adventures please feel free to contact me uh, anytime through naomi at nachamsegel.com i got a first couple of emails already so i was so excited um so thank you so so much for listening please stay on and listen to music from now right up until Lich Benching to Candle Lighting. The music is sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Shabbat shalom, and we'll talk to you next week. Happy cooking.